before I hit the record button and pull up JT on the World Wide Web, thanks to our friends at Zoom, I got to remind you that Bet Online is our great sponsor. And just for being friends with JT and Looney and the JT and Looney podcast, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Excuse the dings from the goddamn text coming in when I'm trying to do my podcast. God damn it. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Best way to place your bets, and it's free. And remember, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just for being friends with JT and Snoop Looney Loon. BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Someone called your phone. Someone called. Mike. Hey, Tom. Mike. Longtime listener. Found your number. <sighs> wow. So, uh, that's just... Uh, and, and, and I was busy. I was like recording a voiceover. And I was like, okay, Mike, I can't talk right now. I'm, I'm, I'm recording a voiceover. And I hung up and it was, it just even seemed sincere, which was weird. It didn't seem like he was doing it to wig me out, but it worked. <laughs> did he get your phone from someone, from someone, or did he get it? Or well, he said crazy? it was, he said it was from, um, I do have a friend who lives in that area that I'm going to have to ask if, but I, I doubt he, he just wouldn't do that. So, um, former pop Warner teammate who I'm still really good friends with. Um, so it was just, a, it was, it was strange to have happen because, but you know, I told you one time, uh, Tim Conway, my good friend, Tim Conway Jr. bought a house. Uh, this is when he was on ninety seven point one, the FM talk station, and he said, "Let's see how much privacy there really is." And then they had some prize to give away, and he was going to give it to the first caller who could tell him his address. <laughs> and somebody called. Somebody called with it. <laughs> yeah. Nice people can do that. People like me can't do that. Nice oh people. Can do that. <laughs> you know, I got an interesting. I got a really interesting Google story, and I want to tie it into this edition of the podcast. The JT and Looney podcast episode 83, because I want to talk about travel because it's getting to the point now in May and June, we should all be thinking about travel with yep. double vaccination. So long, long story short, but I don't know why I'm rushed. I'm in a podcast <laughs> yeah, it's not on the radio where I'm rushed. I got to get to the mad dog sports bite at the bottom of the hour or something. But anyway, I bought a plane ticket to go back to my godson's holy communion oh my buddy, god you know it's uh, god my godson's having his holy communion a week from saturday so i bought that ticket and i didn't look at my calendar when i bought it so i bought the ticket knowing that i'm going back i gotta be the godfather i am i'm honored to be the godfather and right. you can't leave your godson at the altar of his holy <laughs> right. right so the, the fact that i knew i was doing it but then so i put the trip together from on JetBlue from thursday to Sunday and Sunday, I leave in the afternoon. I took off Sunday night so I wouldn't have to be on the radio. So I'd have all day Sunday with my family to fly out. Then I found out that Sunday I have coaches versus cancer in Vegas, which is a big banquet. I am see right. a big event it's on my calendar. I just forgot to look at it. So I changed the flight. So I called JetBlue back, or at least I thought so. So I went on Google and I Googled JetBlue. And it came up, JetBlue, 800 number, the whole deal. Uh oh. So I was frantic. I had to do radio. So I dialed the JetBlue number, 
and about a minute or two on hold, boom, gentleman comes on. Welcome. What can I do for you? Can I give you my confirmation number, sir? Sure. Sure. What is that? TZ seven, whatever. Boom. Yes, we have your reservation. I'd like to change my flight from Sunday afternoon to first flight out Sunday. No problem. Can I have your credit card? Okay. Don't you have my credit card? I bought it on the same credit card. Uh, no, I can take your credit card again and your security code and your address and your phone number. And I go, excuse me. I started hearing car noises in the background. Right. And I go, sir, where are you? And he goes, oh, I'm in New Delhi. New Delhi, India? Yeah, I'm in India. I go, is this JetBlue? No, 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 no. We're a third-party contractor. So I go back to Google, and I clicked on a Google ad. I didn't click uh, on JetBlue. I clicked on a Google ad. So, sorry, we already fixed your confirmation. We'll send you an email. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. There's no email. And then I get an email from the guy, and he's legit, and he's a third-party broker. But the long story oh, short God. is that my American Express card is floating somewhere in New Delhi. <laughs> bottle service, bottle service at a roadside cafe. Everybody's oh, drinking so on JT the Brick. Oh Everybody's my God. Going, oh, this is John. This is John. He bought this tonight. Would you like more? Would you like more? So my card, my security number, my address, my phone number is just floating through New Delhi because I clicked on a Google ad instead of JetBlue to speak to someone actually at JetBlue. That is the story. If you're traveling this summer, really be careful because it's insane now to call an airline and even get on hold for less than an hour and 40 minutes. Wow. I didn't know that. Oh, it's crazy. You mean, so if I book anything, I just, I shouldn't call. I should just do it online. You can. A lot of people like to go over the phone, but yeah, book on book online. But the point is, the delays, and I've heard a couple of stories from other friends that said, and this happened to me, I was just at Fred Bolitnikoff's Hall of Fame Golf Classic last weekend, and my flight, which was at 10.15, I got to the airport, I flew this new fancy private company, JSX, uh-huh. it's one of those jet companies, and it's low fare, and I got there for my 10 o'clock flight about 20 minutes early, and they said, no, your flight was changed two weeks ago till 12.15, well, where's the email? And it went to the email of the company that handled the travel, not to my personal email. Oh, boy. So what, what we're hearing now is airlines are changing flights because there's not enough people or they're overbooked or whatever it is. And if you're not checking your email, if you're not looking at spam, flights are changing. Times are changing. Your flight might be canceled. So really wow. concentrate on your travel needs. That, that is some really good advice because I, I hardly ever check my spam. And that's it's always a disaster if you get to the airport and something like that has happened. And it's not, you know, an hour or two wait that the flight was changed to tomorrow or yesterday or whatever. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, you I know, just travel. I wanted to get into travel on this podcast because I believe that an overriding conversation that everybody should be having with their family is seeing each other again. Right. And it'll be much more complex than you would think, because. People aren't around. I'm going back to New York to see my mom and dad, my aunt. My sisters are out of town. My cousin's out of town. May's a big graduation month. Right. So a lot of people in my family are graduating. My, my niece is graduating University of Miami. My nephew at Oswego. So the families are divided, and that happens in May. Dirty little secret. Mother's Day and graduations, high school and college, 
either bring people together or separate them, which is fine. And then everybody wants to travel in June and July and get a summer vacation in. And last summer we were taking our cars if we were lucky to do it. Now people want to do air travel and it's very complicated and very expensive. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta see mom and haven't done it since the pandemic began. I haven't seen my brother either. He's going camping in the month of July. My brother's a, my brother's a fascinating character. When, when my niece graduates high school, they're going to sell their house and get one of those giant RV Winnebago things and just live on that around the world. That's my brother. My brother's got a different, when you were talking about earlier about making a long story short and then realize you didn't have to, but you had to remind yourself you weren't in a hurry. We both have the same personality. When it comes to that, we have to remind ourselves that we're not in a hurry. My brother doesn't have any of that. My brother's the guy who rode his bicycle from California to Florida. Who the fuck has the patience to do that? He's got, he's got, he's the guy that, uh, I, I, I was telling you the other day, on, at Chris, on Christmas time, what little boy sits under the Christmas tree and reads the directions to his new toy before he puts it together and plays with it and puts the batteries in? That would be my brother. Everyone else just puts the batteries in and figures out how to play with the toy. He has a beautiful mind. He has yes. one of those minds that to see numbers and things on a whiteboard oh. or a blackboard. He's always been that guy. Well, you know the contracts that we're always clicking, agree, 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 with our cell phones and with everything that we have to do all the time. He he reads those <laughs> who does that yeah he's got a beautiful mind it's uh it's the opposite he of mine. a lot of time on his hands well he's he does not shooting <laughs> he's not shooting television commercials like you or doing right, five right. hours of radio like me daily in a podcast <laughs> like this so when you he have does. time it's nice to read yes. and look at directions <laughs> you have time to do that where you're screaming at the microwave hurry up hurry up hurry uh, yeah. up yes true oh, yes so it's so funny. He would, one day he said to me, "We have uh, my mom is in a, my mom's in a home health care. Uh, not no, my mom is in a assisted living place, and so we're renting out the house that we grew up in. It's got a house and it's got a small apartment upstairs. So he's had a couple of different issues, and he was having an argument with a tenant, and then he realized that uh and then he just he said well i don't argue and then he stopped the argument uh because he didn't he realized there was no there's never going to be a conclusion and there was also an issue with my mother at the place where she's she's they're taking care of her where he didn't he decided not to argue about something he said i don't argue about anything when there's never going to be a result to the argument i said oh my god i'll argue about anything <laughs> I said, we are not alike in that department. There has to be no resolution. I'll argue about anything. <laughs> For me, it's a sign of affection. You know that. <laughs> you know, I, I, you and I both are just start an argument in a text. <laughs> I don't clear blue sky about some random uh, social political issue. So he and I, my brother, it, it's funny. It's, it's fa you know, siblings are fascinating. And you have two sisters. And yeah. uh, the relationship between siblings, our, our similarities and our differences. And when we're young, we only see the differences and uh, don't realize the similarities because when we're young, we have no sense of nostalgia or love, which is especially us guys, us young pricks. So uh, so my brother uh, had to tolerate me for a long time before we became good friends. And my sisters have, too, and I give them uh, a lot of credit for uh, understanding the mistakes of my youth, <laughs> if they have or have not already. Um, one of the things I don't like, it's a new pet peeve, is people that interrupt people when they're telling stories. And mm -hmm. I've been noticing this lately. It's bothering me a lot. 
that if you're at a restaurant or you're talking to people, you have people around and someone starts to tell a story and they're telling this story and then someone jumps in and tells them about what they think of the story and how it relates to them. Well, yeah, that was the same for me too. And I, no, no, no. He's not done telling the story. He's in the middle of telling us something, but you are interrupting and bringing the conversation back to you. So for those who think I'm a bloviator and I am, and I talk too much and I exaggerate, you're right, but I'm trying to watch people more and I'm watching people more interrupt others. When someone starts something off in a conversation, let them finish their thought before you jump in. I'm noticing people now on the sidelines so ready to jump in and say, I got a better story to tell you. We don't want to hear your better story. We're listening to this story. We'll get to your better story when his conversation or her conversation comes to an end. Do it next time. Practice this. Next time you're out at a restaurant, you go to Taylor's, you're with four or five couples. Mm. Notice, notice the person at the table who jumps in in the beginning, middle, or near yeah. the end of every conversation. Because they just can't wait. Right? They just can't wait for the pause in the conversation. Uh. They can't do it. Yeah, I have. We have a, a friend of ours is actually our friend's brother. So he used to always come along to different things. And yeah, it was Bob. It was uh, a matter of fact in our house. If we're not done with the story, we say, hang on. I'm not done, Bob. <laughs> that's what we say in our house because we do. That's the guy at our dinners over the years who turns around and makes it about himself. That's Bob. Yeah, don't Bob the story. And that's it. So, oh, what sparked you to all of a sudden mention this out of whole cloth? Well, was, was it, was was it a watching, radio show or a dinner? No, I was once watching before we came on the podcast some of those stupid debate shows. Oh, okay. No one watches right. that no one watches where they pay one of the debate guys six and a half million and a hundred thousand <laughs> people watch. And you sit there and go, How are they paying? How are they paying that guy six million dollars? Right. There's only a hundred thousand people that watch a day and he's interrupting everyone. So I was thinking about it that way, but it, it brought me back to a conversation. You know, Andy Cohen says on Bravo when he's on his uh, late night talk show, uh-huh. he says, Here's what fascinates me. That's what it's jump off point. What's fascinating me on this edition of the JT and Looney podcast is the Bill and Melinda Gates divorce. Oh, that, oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because divorce fascinates me because it hasn't been involved in my life. Uh, I'm one of the few guys in radio left that has my original wife. I love my wife. We get along great. <laughs> and my parents are together and my in-laws are together and my sisters are together. And right. not a lot of divorce in my life. I was very lucky growing up as a kid that there wasn't a lot of divorce, aunts and uncles and all of that. And I'm fascinated by it now because nothing wipes out your net worth, your overall net worth more than a divorce. People think it's it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's bad investments. Yeah, all all that has something to do with getting in financial trouble. But the amount of people who have been so successful and then give away half of their life's earnings, and that brings us to Bill and Melinda, who don't have to worry about money. They're giving it all, right. away, by the way. They're giving all their money away. That was part of their plan. But Bill Gates was the richest man in the world for most of our adult life. Yep. For most of it. It was him or Warren Buffett. Now it's Jeff Bezos. And now we have to split all of it in half, give half of it to Melinda, who deserves it because she put up with Bill. And now Bill goes from this giant number to half of it overnight because they can't get along. Yeah, I always had a theory that 
you saved Kobe's marriage because he might have been yes. listening yes. to us. And yeah. you get, and one night when their marriage was on the rocks, you pulled up his net worth, cut that in half, and talked about all the years he worked to build that net worth. And she was there the entire time because he met her when she was in high school, and he was just a couple of years older. And when she was a senior in high school, she was like 17. He was like 19. And they met at a Pepsi commercial shoot. And uh, so he was she was there the entire time. She was she was entitled to half of. Oh, but they get more and they deserve. Here's why they get more. And I told you that back then they get more because they they actually split it 50 50. And then the wife gets the extra money for the kids. Yes. So, yeah, kids yeah, she needs help. right. She needs $72,000 a week, a week. <laughs> to feed the kids. Yes. yes so yes. it's not a 50 50 split. It's kind of right. like 55 to the ex-wife 45. So, right. you know, it's interesting. I got three categories of friends. Now I got single friends in their fifties yep. who've never been married and never have kids, which is fine. They chose that yep. life and they love it. And that's great. And they they enjoy their nieces and nephews. I have guys my age in their 50s, early 50s, mid 50s who are divorced. They're divorced. Yeah. And then I have a group of friends who are in their 50s who are still married. And life seems to be going good. And everybody's got problems. Everybody's got problems. Of course. Perfect. But those are the three categories. And the guys who are divorced all have these backstories about how they're not retired because we're getting to the point where we're 10 years away from retirement or yep. maybe a little bit more or less. And everybody is going back, revisiting their life for their divorce, which took half their money, half their 401k. And now they're looking at a different finish line, which is a fascinating topic. It could happen to anybody out of the blue. It could happen over years, but it's a really big topic in America because in America, Everybody throws in the towel and gets divorced. When the going gets rough, people just quit on their marriage. Yeah, and it's uh, it's about 50% of homes, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what uh, race. Uh, it's uh, about 50, you know, no finger pointing. There's about 50% of American homes many times are missing a chair at dinner because of a divorce. And if you want to take go back into the hot tub time machine, from the beginning of time until about 1920, from the beginning of time until about 1920, uh, you know, we didn't live, I think in 1900, I know this, in 1900, the average age of a male in the United States was 44, and the number one cause of death was diarrhea. So from the beginning of time until the 1800s or 1900s, you got married at puberty and you died at 30. So you had to take a vow that said, till death do us part. No big deal. I'm going to die in 15 years. Yeah, I'm going to die at 36. <laughs> so, in Game of Thrones, you were, you're going to die on the battlefield at 24 right. or die at 36. Yeah, And that's another thing, too, because there's, there's nothing's changed in the history of the world about men running off to war. You know, they say God is the most important thing and their family is the most important thing. No, war has been the most important thing. And they'll ditch their family and, and their God for, to go fight in a war. And so... Uh, it was usually it was, divorce just wasn't a thing. And now we're living till 80. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for a lot of people, I mean, falling in love and getting married is something we do one, two, three times <laughs> for a lifetime because we're living so long. So that's I'm not looking for excuse uh, for, for people lacking in lifetime commitment, but there are reasons for it. Another thing is 
That's why why religions and and are having a hard time finding finding priests and ministers because of a lifetime dedication issue, which you and I can't always relate to because we've had a lifetime dedication issue to our significant others and to our friends. So you know, when, once you're a friend with you or me, you're you're a friend forever. And I'm always fascinated with the divorced radio guy who goes on the radio and compares Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to his divorce. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't want to hear about your divorce on sports radio because we know why you're divorced. No one would want to be married to you, and your second divorce is probably right. coming. But don't give me the divorce analogy to Aaron Rodgers. I don't need the divorce analogy with James Harden and the Rockets. Keep your freaky bizarre marriage <laughs> behind closed doors and don't relate it to my sports world i don't need that analogy which is really cool because we're in a copycat business sports talk radio so there are young guys breaking into the business now feeling like they have to study divorce analogies or get divorced <laughs> so they can do good sports talk radio time well do you think maybe the argument in the program director's office there used to be these guys in radio called program directors which would actually program direct you and you know, we love coaches and we call Bill Belichick a genius, but there's nobody in radio anymore that calls you into an office and says, hey, try this and try that. And you, you say, um, too much. And uh, you, to be honest with you, too much. Drop that. And what happens is guys reach a certain level and program directors just say bravo and don't give them any notes. And then we're stuck listening to all these crutches uh, that, the, uh, that these alleged legends have that should be fixed. And don't you think the argument might be, I, I, I went out done a wormhole there, but uh, that that it would relate to the masses, JT, because unlike you, the masses are divorced and you are. And he is broadcasting. Well, the masses are divorced or in therapy because of their uh, oh, divorce yes. or therapy yes. before their divorce. That's another big hot button in sports radio. You know, it's interesting for me. I, I, I pulled a great scam in life. I went through college without taking science or math. Uh -huh. The only human being to ever do that. So that was one thing that I got through college taking fun classes like radio and TV and just like right. fun little <laughs> classes. And I got a great education and I went through a whole career on Memorial Day will be my 25 year anniversary in radio to the day. Wow. I, I started nationally syndicated at Sportsfan on Memorial Day uh, 25 years ago. And I was very lucky because Program directors to me throughout my career were just bosses. They were the people who hired me. Uh -huh. They weren't the people who coached me until we had Andrew Ashwood, who I wrote my book about the handoff. And he was very unique because he was a program director and a coach. Right. Like you could sit down and literally do it. He had something called a playbook. Yeah. He had a playbook. But I dodged a huge bullet because the program directors who all gave me an opportunity were very good people persons and would hire me. And leave me alone. Yeah, I did. And then, too. And then I got into the business and, and I knew a lot of great program directors who I didn't work for. Gabe Hobbs. Right. Lee, right. So I worked for Andrew Ashwood and there's a whole bunch of program directors in the business. But then I got into the business. And when I got into the business, it was really sink or swim for me. You know, the first show I ever had 25 years ago is national overnight show five hours without right. a co-host. <laughs> Go screw yourself if you're a program director and trying to tell me how to get through five hours in the middle of the night. <laughs> you have no idea until you sit in with it. And right. then I started early in my career to do the double shift, which I'm still doing, and I'm actually doing it uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm doing Thursday night, 6 to 9 p.m., and then I'm turning around doing Friday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. And I like that. I like those long-haul crazy shifts 
it's kind of my thing, but I never ever respected program directors wanting to give me air checks and telling me that. And it's probably a weakness of mine because I didn't think, I didn't think any of them were good at it. And I didn't think, any well, of them yeah, that's a problem when they're too. not, and none of them have radio shows. Really. I work for one now at, at mad dog who does who I respect, but in general, no idea what they're doing. They just say the podcast numbers are up. Look at me, look at me. But to make a longer story short, I think that, you know, people sit down in radio and they want to get better. You only get better with reps. You only get yeah. better with reps. And if you want to tease and you want to please your program director, write down a couple of teases because program directors sit in their offices now and when they have to justify their job and they air check for three hours, the only thing that they can call you out on and call bullshit on is did you go to break right? Did you go to break by not right. saying you're going to break? And right. saying, Coming up next, I'll tell you the only team that can block Aaron Rodgers going to the Denver Broncos when we return, right? That's a tease, right? right? I'm pretty good at that. And sometimes I write them down, but that's all program directors can bitch about now, Tom, is that, Ooh, you didn't write your tease. Dude, you didn't write your tease. So click a quick note for everyone in the business, write your teases down or you might get slapped by your program. Director. Well, and I had a problem with teases for this reason, especially not because you, if you, if you're good at teasing, you're also good at sending them to Google. Cause they don't want to wait. Nobody wants to wait anymore. And one of the reasons why I loved working with you, you were spontaneous. You didn't a lot of times tease ahead. You just screamed out what you just found out because all information, radio content providers should give immediate content. If you've got it, don't tell them you're going to tell them something in five minutes because they can find out in 30 seconds. Great point. And a lot of them, a lot of them also know they're not listening. They're not listening, coming back, and it's not your fault. Right. You know, program directors want everybody to listen, and TSL, time spent listening. They want another quarter hour out of that, which is great, which is – I get it, okay? You're doing a morning show, and it's 7.30, and you want the audience to listen to 8. I got it. It's very important in any other day part. I grew up in the world of syndication where people right. were listening to me because they weren't listening to their local show, and I grew up listening to Howard Stern. And the reason I loved Howard Stern so much is I never turned him off because he was great. Yeah. So I didn't have to listen to his tease because I wasn't turning the channel right. going somewhere else. Now everybody's concerned about, wow, I get these, I see these tweets or texts where people say, you know, W-E-E-I or whatever station, the Fanatic in Philly had a great fall book or winter book. And I'm like, some of their hosts suck. It has nothing to do with their fall book. There's nothing else to listen to if you're an Eagles fan. You know, there's two choices. You're listening to one or the other. You're listening to your guy. The book goes up, it goes down, and these consultants sit, sit back and they want to tell the radio conglomerate, you know, I could come in and tell you how to get your ratings up. Listen, even if your ratings are up, they're average or down, you know what the big silly secret is too? You better have a sales staff in the other room that can sell no ratings zero ratings right or little ratings or big ratings because it doesn't matter what your ratings are all that matters is if someone could sell the ratings in the building and put more money in your pocket you've always had a great respect for numbers not necessarily ratings numbers but numbers in terms of your life as have i, I have a numbers obsession and you're talking about memorial day being your 25th anniversary you've always counted those numbers and as long as i've known you for the respect and the nostalgic um, uh, respect, you've always worked on Memorial Day. 
Well, yeah, I'm a big numbers guy with radio. Yep. That's why I, I always say I worked at Fox for 17 and a half years. Right. It bugged the shit out of me that it was 17 and a half and not 20. Deservedly right. so. So I'm a numbers guy. I always worked on Memorial Day because my career started on Memorial Day. So why would I take off Memorial Day? Yeah, and I could work three hours on Memorial Day and still get drunk and swim and uh, right. yeah. do whatever I want, play golf. I can do whatever I want. I'm just I'm just working three hours doing a right. radio show. It does, doesn't mean my Memorial Day is blown up and I can't go to a barbecue. I right. fit the three hours in. But, you know, working on holidays is something that when you're on, I want to say the back nine of your career, I'm nowhere near the back nine of it. But wherever we are in our career, when you get an opportunity, which changed so much since the pandemic and even before that is the phone and the fact that people listen on demand. Right. So some people used to just die to be in morning drive or evening drive. And I've always been doing early evenings and late nights and all that. Now I'm in a great shift. I'm on seven to 10 Pacific, which is 10 to one Eastern at night. But I like seven o'clock. LeBron James doesn't even tip off at seven o'clock. He doesn't right. even start. Jimmy Kimmel doesn't start, even though it's taped. His show doesn't come on till 1135 PM. Right. Right. And I'm on at 7 p.m. And then when people want to listen to my show, a lot of people can listen to it at eight in the morning, nine in the morning on demand. So it's not like when I tell younger people when they're getting in the business now, look, don't worry about when you're on the radio. Just get on the radio. Exactly. Get on the radio, Even if you have a podcast, even if you're doing anything, just make sure your content is posted and people can see your content and then they can just click a button and listen to it. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet in American society. We still have many people in cars. We still have many people that appointment listen. We still have many people that listen to radio when the radio's on live. And right. the podcasting world that we're in now and other people are getting into, I think that's five or 10 years ago where people are actually going to listen whenever they want to their favorite host. It happens for Dan Patrick. and You mean it's five, five or 10 years in the future? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a number of people are doing it. There's a number of people are doing it, but right. it's minuscule. It's tiny compared to the audience that tunes in live and they listen to the show live. And if they don't hear the show, they don't go back. And listen on demand. They do for the big, 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 big mega stars. But once the radio show's over, 90, 98% of the people aren't coming back to listen to it 12 hours later. That's another lie by the consultants to keep their bullshit consulting job telling you that the podcast numbers are up because people went back and listened to the show. That is a tiny fraction, an important number, but we're still five, 10 years out on that number. Yeah, consulting jobs. I've always told you how I've yearned for a, you know, one of those Jerry West consulting jobs. <laughs> Where you make a phone call and you tell, you know, you tell somebody, you know, that Clay Thompson is very good. <laughs> Thanks. And, and uh, make sure you send that check out Friday for $122,000. Well, I tell you that Clay Thompson is really good. How okay. many times did Jerry West went to his mailbox check from the Warriors, the Lakers, yes. the Clippers, the Memphis Grizzlies? Yep. I'm sure there are a couple of teams I'm forgetting because. He's the oh logo. He's the logo. And he was the guy who discovered Kobe. Yeah. And when you do the Kobe deal, that's yeah. pretty good. And then afterwards, you remind everybody you did the Kobe deal. And then they make you a consultant. You get a oh couple my. of rings. And oh, do all my that God. Okay. What a great, great job. Or like we always said, the radio consultants. Were, they used to fly around the country and sit in a hotel room and or drive around town and listen to your show. Now they don't have to do that. Now they don't even have to leave the house. 
They can listen to your radio show and then call your program director and say, tell JT to say his name more. People will remember who he oh. is if he says his name more. And then they ask for that consultant's fee to tell, for reminding you to say your name so people know your name. It's a great oh. life if you can have it. If you can't, oh if you don't God. have a radio show, you don't have a TV show, you can't do a radio show, you can't do a podcast, but you get to tell people in our industry how to do it. That's a hell of a job. Yeah, and usually you have to reach some level of success to get those jobs, and people mix up success and wealth with smart. You know, that's always been a big pet peeve of mine in the music industry where uh, great bands, great rock and roll bands like The Police break up because Sting is getting so wealthy and successful. He's mixing up. He thinks of himself as better than the band, and he starts writing new music about whales and peace. When, in fact, he, because he mixes us up rich with smart and he thinks we really want to hear what he has to say. And we say, no, we want to hear what you play. And when he was singing do, 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 da, 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 he was way better than when he was singing about peace and whales because he mixed up rich with smart. And that happens a lot of times <laughs> with the, in all areas of business. You know, we former politicians. We give jobs as, as lobbyists. Because, ooh, he, he got himself elected to office. He must be a genius because he can shake hands and remember names. And then we pay the millions of dollars to consult and say obvious things. God, I want one of those consulting jobs. God, it'd be so cool to sit on my ass and just collect checks while suggesting the obvious. I'd also love a pair of Canaan sunglasses. They're made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses cleaner, lighter, and stronger. And their Italian handcrafted frames are impossible to scratch. Canaan sunglasses make your outdoor experience exquisite. Canaan is spelled K-A-E-N-O-N. So use the code CanaanCast15 at Canaan.com and you'll get yourself a 15% discount on your first pair of Canaan sunglasses. That's CanaanCast15 for your discount at Canaan.com. Canaan, clearly better. A great sports topic was the hockey fights in the NHL mm -hmm. on Wednesday night. Yeah. What happened was there was an ugly game between the Capitals and the Rangers. Tom Wilson of the Capitals took one of the Rangers without a helmet who was on the ice and banged his head into the ice. Could have killed him. He's out for the year. And the Rangers... Wilson did not get suspended from the league. He only had a $5,000 fine. So the Rangers, because now because of COVID, you played the same team back to back. Used to be yep. Capitals play the Rangers, they're gone. They're out to Canada, the West Coast. They don't see the Rangers for another month. Well, now because of COVID, they played these series back to back. So every Ranger knew they were going to fight. They all knew they were going to fight on Wednesday night and they came out in warm ups and they were chirping. Both coaches knew what was happening. Ref comes to drop the puck, drops the puck. Everybody drops their gloves. All three of the forwards up front fight. Incredible. So then the Golden Knights, similar something. That game starts, fight. So I open up the show on Mad Dog, and there's a lot of big topics. Yankees, Astros, Favre, talking about Aaron Rodgers. Really good topics. And I said, you know, there's not, there's not a bigger topic than NHL fighting. Should it be around? Should they outlaw it? Should they penalize it more? And 90% of the people who called in who were on the poll, which I hate poll questions, but we put one out. Thanks to the consultants. And everybody <laughs> loves, everyone loves fighting. 
Oh my it's God. Important to the game because when you park your car and you come in, you know that there might be a fight. There's probably not going to be one, but if there is one, you're not going to go get a hot dog. You're not going to go to the restroom because there might be a fight. And I talked to hockey fans and they all talked about how hockey players police themselves. So they don't use their sticks to settle scores. And we got to keep fighting in the sport. It's a big part of the history. Well, also two things. First of all, hockey, those who play it and those who love it are a fascinating, wonderful whole subset of society. And I've never met one that isn't unique. We had one at Fox Sports Radio, a kid from Southern California, Eric Roberts, who was a hockey player since he was a child. He's such a fascinating character. He's the only white kid in a, a Mexican neighborhood. And he was a, and he was the only kid interested in hockey in Southern California. And just a fascinating character that he was. And I learned a lot about hockey, even though I grew up in upstate New York at Elmira College, Sword Eagles were the national champions when I was a kid. And my cousin Billy and Frankie and I would go every Tuesday and Saturday to watch them. It was great. But so, so hockey has a great part of my history growing up. And so it's when you love a sport, you never want to change it at all. Uh, so I, I understand. And also when it comes to, so I understand why people don't want to change it. And also fighting you and I, I have been, I counted my credentials. I have been in at least, because who knows of the ones I lost, at least 50 world championship fights ringside. So you've probably been to 100. I have been. So, but you know, sometimes there's fights at the fights. And what always drove me crazy but fascinated me was, if there was a fight in the stands, Manny Pacquiao could be in the ring fighting Oscar De La Hoya. But if somebody... In the stands was fighting, everyone would turn around and watch the fight in the stands because it was a little bit closer. <laughs> people, people, right? Uh, yeah, if, if, if you're working in an office building, if you and I are doing our show and somebody says, hey, you know, Ryan and Mike are fighting outside, we would all run to the window. Nobody would sit there and continue to doodle and do their work or alleged work or talk into a microphone. We'd all be, we, we'd stop the show and go look. And so, that's why I totally understand why your callers and your your high testosterone calling base would say, yeah, let's keep it. And I think for the for the sake of the sport, you know, hockey is right there with with boxing and horse racing and not quite horse racing because, uh, because horse racing is really withering on the vine. But it, it's, it's, it's a sport that has to keep itself alive. And so why change it? Yeah, you, know, you can't change yeah. it. And it's a big part of the sport because it's part of history. Uh, the history yes. of protecting Wayne Gretzky with Marty McSorley, with right. protecting Mike Bossy with Clark Gillies, or Terry O'Reilly protecting a Boston Bruin. But, but JT, don't you think with hockey, much like in the early days of the AFL, uh, and uh, and then and into the seventies with the merger with the AFL and the NFL, people didn't go after Joe Namath because he was making he knew that he was good for them. He brought he brought a lot of uh, publicity to the league and he brought up everybody's salary because he was making more than the president. And don't you think in a lot of ways one of the reasons Wayne Gretzky probably didn't get in as many fights and wasn't cold cocked was because he was good for the sport. And that's one yeah, you're one guy and, you and, and there were a lot of players back in the Gretzky era that I saw that 
would really make a run at Gretzky. They would physically try to take him out. They'd try wow. to check him. They'd try to do it, but they wouldn't fight him. You wouldn't see a goon. It's right. a hockey term. I use the word thug five times a day. I love right. the word thug. There's a lot of thugs. <laughs> thugs are people that intimidate other people and bully them and use violence. You, that has nothing to do with skin color. Right. In hockey, the word is goon. And a goon back in the 70s and 80s, you would always have a goon on the roster just to fight. Now you really don't have that because you could have a big guy who can fight, but you don't have the salary cap space. You need right. that roster spot. Was it was it Bobby Clark for the Philadelphia Flyers? Was Bobby he the Clark goon? was really skilled and he could fight, but uh, Dave Schultz and the rest uh, of those guys, oh, uh, okay. the Broad Street Bullies. Well, that was interesting because I'll, I'll tie it up with the Capitol and Tom Wilson, who's a skilled player, good player. He could fight. Capitals had about eight guys who could fight, including Dino Chara, who want, no one wanted a part of last night. Mm -hmm. Everybody dropped their gloves. They didn't drop the gloves with big Chara. And the, 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 <laughs> yes. They just walked away from them. But the Capitals have about eight guys who can fight, seven or eight really good. And that doesn't even include Ovechkin, who's one of the sickest and greatest athletes ever. He can kill someone. So when you have to fight, when you have to fight in hockey for your manhood, which we saw all Wednesday night throughout the NHL, there were a number of fights. It just energized that fan base, that fan base overall, the big general hockey fan base, as you said, that needs to stay relevant as hockey's now gone back. It's going back to ESPN and it's going to be on TNT. So hockey's getting a relaunch now after all these years to come back again. And I love the sport. We have the Vegas Golden Knights out here. And whenever I get a chance to go to a game, I'm just blown away by the athleticism, the energy on the ice and in the crowd, the entertainment, Problem is, it's not great on television. So more and more people got. Oh, you're right. You're right. Hockey is taking and go. It, we always, you know, it's one of those sports like NASCAR where you bore your friends who don't like it by reminding them how great it is live, and they always mock you for saying that. But this, it's it's actually it's just the truth. Those sports are better live, and those guys who play hockey, you know, Eric Roberts, the kid I was telling you about, I could probably break him in half. But I would have to ambush him because <laughs> he, you know, he was young and small and, and, and probably in his mid-20s and skinny with two diamond earrings. But don't judge that book by the cover. He's a fucking hockey player, right? <laughs> so the only way I could win a fight with him would be if I ambushed him because I just thought, well, okay, stay away from that guy. He's a hockey player. And so if there's a hockey player on your roster at work, leave him alone want to end with Aaron Rodgers because we're going to add this into the podcast going forward because this is the low-hanging fruit story of the summer. It used to be Terrell Owens doing sit-ups in the driveway, Barry Sanders quitting right before camp. There's always a big summer story, and I think of May now as a summer month because it was 91 in Vegas yesterday. I repeat, 91. Wow. So it's getting to summer. Denver, as we talked about on draft day, Denver is clearing the deck chairs. Denver is going after him. So either the Raiders must block like a game, like a game. They have to use it like a chess match and block the move because they have the ability to block the move if they want to. I want to see Derek Carr stay in Vegas. But if they want to block Denver, that means they have to get him, which is very complicated. And then the Washington football team, where I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to go east, I think he wants to go west to Jeopardy in Hollywood. Washington's the only team in football that needs a quarterback. And you could say New Orleans because they have Jameis and Taysom Hill and they would make moves, but they don't have any salary cap moves. So 
as this podcast is recorded, uh, it's getting closer and closer to Green Bay playing hardball, saying, Aaron, let me give you a wake-up call. You're not fucking going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. We have your contract. We have all the leverage. Or Rodgers playing hardball and the move becoming a Denver Bronco move. Yeah, it's going to be It's fascinating to watch. Uh, if you go back in the hot tub time machine to the 1980s and Eric Dickerson holding out for the Los Angeles Rams, who were paying him at the time like a million dollars a year. <laughs> he was worth he was worth 20. And so they were so annoyed with him holding out. They traded him to the Indianapolis Colts, which are the worst team in football, who immediately became really good because Eric Dickerson was on the team. But uh, to screw him over, they traded him to the worst team in the NFL. And so you don't think that there's two things they could do. Trade him to a team he doesn't want to go to. And then he's either stuck not playing for that team or uh, or they just hold on to him. Those are if they're it's, it's going to get emotional and personal. Don't you think those may and, and not going to go anywhere? Don't you think those are the first two things they might want to do? Yeah, I think if, he, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't like the team that the Packers want to trade him to. But again, there aren't really any teams out there. All those all those potential opportunities were filled in the offseason with a Carson Wentz or Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville or what Mac Jones falling to the Patriots behind Cam Newton. Now, some teams will clear out and they'll they'll just blow off their current quarterback to get him. But the big move was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers to the 49ers. Because they could have moved Jimmy Garoppolo easy. They never would have had to draft Trey Lance. They could have let him go and brought in Rodgers and went down that road. And that door closed. And Rodgers wants to be out west, we're thinking. So Denver's out west. Las Vegas is out west. The Chargers have Justin Herbert. And the Rams have Matthew Stafford. So there's nothing happening in L.A. So a lot of the doors are closing for Aaron Rodgers, who wants to play hardball with Green Bay. And wouldn't you, no matter if you're any, almost any team in the NFL, no matter who they have at quarterback should at least be secretly making phone calls and moves. And I have, have a secret meetings, you know, that their quarterback doesn't know about where they can try to see if they can pull it off. Every, almost every team in the NFL should be trying to do that. One big difference between Aaron Rodgers and you and me, as we tie this up in a bow from when we started and we were talking about friendships and divorce and lifetime dedication to your craft, to your wife, to your significant other, and to your friends. Something that we both have a degree in that Aaron Rodgers never got that degree. Did you notice that? Falling out with family, teams, people. He, uh, he's lived the, uh, a bizarro life compared to you and me. He does not seem to have a lifetime dedication to anyone but Aaron Rodgers. I would agree. I think he's yeah. very unique. And as a lot of sharp people say, we don't know the whole story. Right. We don't. There's probably more to the story. We know how fucked up the Kardashians are. Right. Every time they bring right. a new boyfriend over or there's no. Well, and they put over. cameras in the kitchen. So we but, know yeah, that they, they are. <laughs> we know how screwed up they are when yeah. the, the daughter's boyfriends or fiancés or husbands cheat on them and then they take them back and they're allowed to live in the house with Chris Jenner with a whole bunch of right. kids out of wedlock running around. We know how screwed up they are. We really don't know how screwed up Aaron Rodgers is. We don't know if he <laughs> is or not. Or if his yes, we had no cameras in his kitchen. That's true. Yeah, I just, the only criticism I'll say is the fair one is that instead of dating high profile actresses, he should be 
dating Brazilian swimsuit models like yes, Brady. Always been one of your his life would have been much easier. <laughs> he decided to make it much more complicated. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.